This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Also joining us this morning, former Washington Capitol, Toronto Maple Leaf, and uh, perhaps a stop in some other places, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Good morning, Wally. Naz, how are you, everybody? Great. We're doing great. Thanks so much. And uh, just to let our listeners know, uh, is uh, we've got, after the first break, uh, reporter for Sports Illustrated Now, Aaron Rose, going to be his debut performance on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Aaron is a young, dynamic uh, a reporter doing some work for the Raptors for Sports Illustrated and also has done some work for Blue Jays for MajorLeagueBaseball.com. So uh, get an opportunity to talk to him about the Raptors, and the Blue Jays are making some waves during this off season. so maybe we'll uh, we'll squeeze in some Blue Jays talk as well. And uh, after the second break, uh, we'll be talking to Leaf legend David Keon. Um, last, uh, last week we talked about the passing of Henry Aaron and... Uh, after that show, found out that uh, Leafs' great captain, uh, gentleman uh, the affectionately known as the Chief George Armstrong, had passed away. George, of course, was the uh, captain of the Leafs in their glory days in the 1960s. And who would be more fitting to uh, come on to chat about uh, his captain, George Armstrong, of course, than David Keon. We look forward to that. Naz, uh, we didn't get the result last uh, Sunday that we had hoped for. Uh, let's do a little bit of a Bill's post-mortem. Uh, do we have can't... to do this, Wally? <laughs> we don't have to, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think let's let's take a few minutes. So we might get us ready uh, to have some Chiefs talk, talk about the Super Bowl as well. But the Bills, quite frankly... Uh, Naz, I can't say they they looked all that great last Sunday, but they uh, when the dust settled, I think it was a fitting uh, conclusion. Perhaps it just it just seemed obvious that the best best team won. Uh, Kansas City, defending Super Bowl champions in their home park. Uh, Bills defense just wasn't able to contain them when it mattered, and uh, they had pressure all over Josh Allen the entire game. Uh, Naz, I know that you uh, you bleed the blue and red of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, uh, thoughts on, on the game and on the Bills season? Definitely, uh, the Kansas City deserved to win. They outplayed Buffalo in the last three quarters. And um, Buffalo had a great season. They were fun to watch, and hopefully they do better next year. Uh, we certainly look forward to it. Lou, uh, you and I had an opportunity to chat about it this week Uh your uh, your thoughts on the Bills uh, Chiefs game? Well, I, I thought it was a very exciting game. Uh, at the end, it was just a little bit uh, too much uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think the uh, 
Buffalo Bills actually, uh, uh, they didn't have any uh, game plan, I guess if you want to call it a game plan, or uh, they didn't have an answer for the Kansas City offense. Uh, and when you turn into a one-dimensional team like Buffalo has been all year, and you really don't have any running game, it's going to be tough to win those close games or even the playoff games uh, uh, like they did uh, yesterday or last week. Um, certainly, you know, that's, uh, you know, the Bills Bills were up against it. And I, I think it's almost like when you know that, um, for lack of a better term, you're playing a better team or uh, a team that can hurt you, 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 to a certain extent, you know, and this, I don't know if this is a criticism of Sean McDermott or his coaching staff, but um, I don't want it to come off that way uh, because I've certainly been impressed by what Sean McDermott has done and his and his staff have done with this team. Uh, let's not take anything away from the Bills. The you know thirteen thirteen and three, you know that, that's pretty that that's pretty good. Uh, those are pretty good results. And you know Sean's um, he's in the conversation for Coach of the Year, no question. As is. Uh, as is the GM Brandon Bean, as uh, you know, as executive of the year as well. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job. But when you're in against it, and this is something Tampa, I think, has to think about how they're going to slow down <laughs> the Chiefs. Um, and you know, T- Tampa poses a different challenge for the Chiefs. Um, Tampa's defense, I think, uh, perhaps is a better defense than the Bills. Um, they're more physical, and I think I think the path to beating the Chiefs is to to have a look at what the Cleveland Browns did successfully in their game against the Chiefs, and sort of flow with that. Be physical, have a have a punishing ground game, have a defense that's finishing their tackles, and you know perhaps beating up the receivers a little bit within the rules, of course. Um, and uh, certainly, I think that's that's the way you beat the Chiefs. Didn't see it last Sunday. Um, on, on another note, uh, Bucks and Packers was sort of a controversial ending. Uh, Naz, um, the Packers coach, Matt, uh, LaFleur, uh, decided he was uh, going to kick a field goal with two minutes, uh, just a little over two minutes left in the game with the ball at the Buck 9 yard line fourth down controversial beyond belief he's taken a lot of heat for it this week as you're watching the game when uh, when he called out the field goal kicker uh what were your immediate thoughts couldn't believe he did it these, these coaches think they can stop him on the defense and then get the ball back once you give up the ball you're done the the bills did it too and Twice they went for field goals within the 10-yard line. If you're fourth down on the three-yard line, go for it and go for the touchdown because you're not going to beat Kansas City unless you do that. Yeah, I Then you're going with the traditional thing, right? right? The traditional thing in the NFL is not there anymore. Now with, now with these high-powered offenses, uh, to a certain extent, uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Naz. Uh, you, you want to beat, uh, for lack of a better term, a better team or a team that's at home as defending Super Bowl champion, I, I don't think a conservative game plan is going to do it. Uh, I think I think you got to roll the dice a little bit. And Bills couldn't get the ball downfield. They just couldn't get the ball downfield. I know, Lou, that you, you made this observation. 
Um, you know, Josh Allen was looking downfield all game long, and none of his receivers were open. And I, I didn't see anything that the Bills coaching staff did to adjust to that. That was just either superior defense by Kansas City, or, you know, maybe they were exercising the old Toronto Maple Leaf clutch and grab all game long, and the refs weren't calling it. Uh, Lou, your uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I think Steve Spagnuolo has always been known to be a great defensive uh, coordinator, and you know, he, had a, he had a perfect game plan uh, against the Buffalo Bills, knowing that they didn't have any running game. They, they played aggressive. They, they attacked the, uh, uh, the, uh, the line of scrimmage. They always sent uh, five or six guys uh, towards uh, Josh Rosen to try to flush him out of the, the pocket, and they did a great job man-on-man uh, on, man on, on the wide receivers uh, because, again, the Bills only had the one dimension all year. They really didn't have a running game, so that's what uh, Spagnola did. They they took her away, and they said, okay, we'll force you to, to run the ball, and that's, that's the way you're going to beat us. Yeah, I certainly would have liked to have seen the Bills uh, make a little bit more of a game of it. I thought, uh, you know, based on their run this year, um, they, uh, they would have been in it. Um, uh, but uh, let's not take away – let's not take away from them – the outstanding season that they did have. Um, they made everybody in the Bills Mafia uh, look forward to games. Uh, some great, uh, was some uh, first time in the AFC Championship, a deep run into the playoffs in a long, long time. And we will certainly take that, uh, take that as a positive and uh, certainly looking forward to, uh, to next year. Uh, there's a lot to be, lot to be uh, optimistic about, and uh, we will take that from this season and move forward. Um, Tom really Brady quickly, makes it again, Wally. What's that? Tom Brady makes it again. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Tom Brady, uh, the, the uh, so-called uh, greatest of all time, uh, does, uh, you know what? I, when I said, when, when he left New England last year, I said, you know, my immediate reaction to it was, you know, Tom Brady... Um, is thinking ahead. First of all, the, the Super Bowl is in Tampa. Realized that Tampa had a pretty strong defense, and I think he, uh, I think he tested the wins, and he realized that the New England Patriots' better days were behind them, and decided that uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get back to the Super Bowl, this is probably the best bet. And uh, you know, give him credit. But having said that, I, I'm not so sure Tom Brady had his greatest game last Sunday, gave up three interceptions. I, I, you know, he, he, you know, he got a lot of credit, but I think more credit goes to the Tampa defense than Tom Brady over, over the performance from last Sunday. Although that, uh, that touchdown pass just before halftime was, uh, was probably, that was a dagger, wasn't it, Luke? It, it definitely was, and uh, I don't know what King was doing. He was probably sleeping or something. It, it's just that you just can't give up a play like that at the end of the half, knowing that it's coming, because they had taken a timeout. I think they were gonna they were gonna punt on fourth down uh, and get rid of the ball, and then he leaves the he he leaves the receiver go by him, and it wasn't even uh, Godwin or or Evans. Uh, it, it was uh, one of those slot receivers coming off uh, coming off the bench. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a tough game. And sometimes when you just kind of fall asleep for a few seconds, against especially a, uh, a Tom Brady, you're going to get burnt like that. Yeah, no question. Anyways, uh, our time for the first part of the show is, is over. We've got to go to break. Right after the break, we'll be uh, bringing on the show. 
bright young reporter for the Raptors for Sports Illustrated, now also done some work with the Blue Jays, Aaron Rose. Looking forward to talking to Aaron. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Rayul wants is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, and live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.com. CA, we're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour Raptors reporter for Sports Illustrated now, Aaron Rose. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we note right uh, right off the hop that you've dropped the average age of everybody on the air quite significantly. <laughs> and, uh, so we think it's it's great to have some great young dynamic talent on the show. So welcome, Aaron. And uh, on that note, I'd like to ask you: uh, you're uh, you're a young reporter. Um, you're breaking into the business. Tell us a little bit about the Aaron Rose story and. Uh, how you got started in sports reporting and uh, how you've gotten uh, your track, your career up to Sports Illustrated, SI now. It's not the kind of industry you just sort of fall into. I, I'd be impressed if anyone just sort of backed into becoming a sports reporter. So uh, it takes a lot of hard work and you got to have a love for sports, which I think I do. I've always had one. And when you want to do something like this, you really have to work at it. So I went to school in the States for a little bit at Northwestern. And then 
after that, I covered the Blue Jays for a little bit and moved out to a small town in Wisconsin, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where I covered everything at a small town paper, a lot of boys hockey and girls volleyball. I did some equestrian, some amateur bowling, um, but obviously wanted to get back to Toronto and covering the Blue uh, the, the Raptors was a great opportunity. I actually signed my contract the day the NBA shut down because of COVID. So just a few hours before Rudy Gobert tested positive on that um, March, what was it, March 11th today, I sent in my contract signed to Sports Illustrated and Things could have gone a little differently had I waited a few hours, but thankfully I got it in and they honored it. So I've been covering the team sort of ever since the pandemic. Definitely strange to start on the Raptors beat without ever really going to a game. But almost a year now, um, I've been covering the team remotely. So it's been a really cool experience and, and I'm really enjoying it. Learned a lot about basketball and, and covering what was a pretty good team, and now there are some question marks uh, for these Toronto Raptors. Um, Aaron, uh, Toronto Raptors, you just uh, segued into, uh, before I turned it over to Naz and Louie, uh, you just segued in that ch- Raptors are facing some challenges. Uh, not not the great, not a great start, not what they would have anticipated. I think you tweeted the other day they're uh, essentially in the same position they were about uh, six or seven years ago when, when uh, Masai made that uh, massive trade. So uh, bring us up to speed on the Raptors, what you've seen so far this year, and uh, what, uh, what the challenges are for them. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, the last time they were 7-12 and 12 was uh, back in 2013-2014. In December 2013, they traded away Rudy Gay which at the time was Masai's, one of Masai's jury's big trades, and everyone thought it was a tank move. They were about to trade away Kyle Lowry. Everyone knows that story. They basically had a deal done to send him to the New York Knicks, and then last minute, the Knicks sort of backed out. Kyle Lowry stayed with the Raptors, and they've made the playoffs seven straight years. So kind of a weird twist, that story, that the fact that they basically were ready to tank, but now a, a very sort of similar situation. The Raptors are in a bit of a weird unusual situation they haven't been here in the past few years and they need to get things back on track i think the biggest issue for them is i don't think people realize how important marcus saul and serge Ibaka were for this team last year they were really really good defensively and that's where the raptors uh, hung their hat last season and once sort of the defense fell apart a little bit which they have this year you sort of pull out one of those cards from the bottom of the house of cards and the whole thing falls apart. So that's what I think the Raptors are dealing with this year. You take away a little bit of their defensive stops, their defense isn't as good, and the whole thing sort of crumbles a little bit. They're probably not this bad, but they're certainly not as good as they have been the past few years. Nas? Here in the Heat, the Raptors and the Bucks are struggling. What's causing them? Well, well, with the Heat, the Heat have had a lot of COVID issues. Jimmy Butler's been out for a very long time. Um, so they are coming off an NBA Finals. I'm not too concerned about them. They probably have a bit of an NBA Finals hangover, and then they've had COVID issues. They've been missing a lot of players. The Bucks just haven't been able to figure out Giannis Atetokounmpo this season. He's, he's struggling a little bit more than he had in the years past. I think defenses are defending him better he's he's been shooting from the free throw line very very poorly this season and he hasn't been able to really be as dynamic as he had been in the past obviously holding him to a very very high standard because he's still one of the best players in the nba 
but they're struggling to gel a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not really concerned about those other two teams. I think the Heat will find their way into the playoffs once Jimmy Butler gets back, and they'll once again be a really scary team. And as I mentioned, the Raptors are having some, some defensive issues, and I think that they're a step back from where they were last season. And when that happens, they're probably a fringe playoff team. The playoffs being expanded this season a little bit might make it easier for them to get in with a play-in game uh, for sort of those fringe playoff teams. But it's not really where you want to be in any sport, in that middle of the pack sort of are you going up, are you going down, middle of the draft, um, but no real playoff aspirations or, or title aspirations. So the Raptors are in a little bit of no man's land, which I think nobody likes to be in. Lou? Um, I think you're 100% right uh, there, Aaron. Uh, you know, losing Ibaka and Gasol, as long as, you know, as well as they are defensive hockey, uh, hockey players, uh, basketball players, I think they've lost their leadership because they're older players. They know how to get through the grind uh, of, uh, of an NBA season. Um, but do you, do you think this is going to be a teardown mode for, uh, for, uh, Mr. Saya? Uh, meaning that, uh, are they going to start getting rid of some assets? Uh, I know that I've read that, uh, Powell might be on the trading block and also with Lowry and getting a little bit younger and more or less, uh, starting this thing again from, from scratch, uh, and getting, uh, Nick Nurse, uh, some guys that, that are willing to, to play defense, or more or less, he's going to be teaching them how to play defense? Well, I think they're not starting from scratch in the sense that they still have nor, they still have OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet, who are still relatively young, pretty young, and, and very talented, locked onto long-term contracts. So it's not like the Blue Jays rebuild from a few years ago, where these guys were still in the farm system, and very different sports, the setup of prospects between those two. But I think you're right. They might be heading for a bit of a retooling or rebuilding. I don't think they'll ever be sort of top of the lottery team, but this is probably the last year of Kyle Lowry. And I wrote about that the other day. I think the Raptors are heading for a retooling on the horizon. And the question is, is it going to be before the trade deadline in March? And are they going to look to trade Kyle Lowry or are they going to ride it out? And Kyle will probably leave in free agency at the end of the season because this is the last year of his contract and the Raptors probably don't need him back if they're not contending in the immediate future. Let him go to a championship team, let him have one more shot at a title and, and sort of everyone will be happy in that sense. But I think as if the Raptors continue to lose at the rate they are right now, they have to take a really strong look at potentially trading Kyle Lowry and trying to recoup some of the assets long-term value, maybe get a first-round pick, maybe get a young, interesting player, and sort of build on that OGN and OB Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet core that can lead the Raptors down the road. Uh, we're talking to Aaron Rose, uh, Raptors reporter for Sports Illustrated now. Uh, Aaron, um, curious about the challenges of being a, a reporter in, in a COVID world. Of course, the Raptors are playing down in uh, – uh, their their home their home uh, stadiums down in Tampa. They're playing Orlando tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and uh, you and all the other uh, local reporters, of course, can't travel freely across the border. Um, so you're watching the game, I presume, on TV like everybody else. And you're there's a, you're, you attend media events. I presume they're all on Zoom or on whatever the uh, appropriate video conferencing technology might be. Uh, tell us about the challenges you face in the, in the world we live in doing your job. Well, I think one of the things that 
readers sometimes don't have a full appreciation for is, for example, when I was back in Wisconsin, I'd sit behind one of the team benches and I'd be able to sort of eavesdrop in on conversations or see how players were interacting with the coaches. And sometimes I'd write about those things. Because everyone can watch the game. They sort of know what happens. But if I can take you behind the scenes and see something, what, did, what happened sort of off to the corner? What was that conversation? Did Nick Nurse say something to Kyle Lowry? Did Kyle say something to Terrence Davis? What are those things going on that the camera didn't pick up? The sights and sounds and the things that maybe people miss at home. Those are things that add so much color to a story. And I think those are the things that are sort of missing because I'm watching the same thing that everyone else is from my couch at home and writing the story. So in the sense that I can't hear and see everything that's going on on the court in the way that I would if I was sitting on press row or sitting up in the press box and sort of looking at all the things that are going on that probably the cameras miss and everyone else misses. And then the other thing is you can't sort of walk around the the clubhouse or the locker room the way you could pre-pandemic. So uh, the last time I was in a a major league or a professional clubhouse was with the Blue Jays, and I was able to sort of walk to the side. If if some big scrum was going on, I could go say, hey, Marcus Stroman, can I grab you for a second and ask a question? Or, or, hey, Josh Donaldson or whatever, whoever the player was. You can't do that these days because, as you mentioned, everything's on Zoom. So everyone sort of raises their hand with the raise your hand feature in Zoom, <laughs> and you get called on to ask your question. And it's not the same as everyone sort of has the same quotes, but I can't just go to the side and ask for a quick question from Kyle Lowry or OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam the way that you could before the pandemic. get sort of something that nobody else really has. Right now, everyone has the same quotes, and it's tough to differentiate all the great reporters on the beat because we're all sort of working with the same stuff, the same TV broadcast and the same quotes because we can't, we're not at the game. We can't look at things that are sort of missing from the TV broadcast. And as I said, we all sort of have the same information. Naz, Aaron, have the Knicks finally solved their problems? (laughs) The Knicks finally solved their problems until they make a playoff and make a a big run. I think they're still the New York Knickerbockers. I'm not ready to, to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think R.J. Barrett's coming along a little bit, which I think Canadians will be happy to see as a, as a young Canadian in the league who sort of has struggled a little bit at times, especially with his efficiency, but they're still the New York Knicks. I'm sure in the not-too-distant future, they'll make a, a dumb decision and it'll go south in a hurry. <laughs> Aaron, you're too young to remember Willis Reed and Dave the Busher and uh, Clyde Walt, uh, Walt Clyde Fraser, so... Uh, the Knicks did have some glory days, and they had some they had some fantastic teams when I was growing up. So uh, we'd love to see the Knicks come back to that level of uh, of uh, success. Uh, very quickly, uh, uh, Aaron, we've got to uh, we've got to go to break, and we've got David Keon coming on after you. Um, want to, want your thoughts on uh, you've done some work with the Blue Jays in the past. You're uh, so I'm sure you're a big baseball fan. I'm sure you probably still. Stay uh, stay up to speed with what's going on in Blue Jay land. The Blue Jays have been active in the last couple of weeks, uh, liberated themselves of $150 million over six years for George Springer, and uh, a few other guys have come in, Steve Matz, Marcus uh, Semyon, uh, and some other guys. Uh, break it down for our listeners. Is there Are we going to be seeing a lot of postseason baseball in the Blue Jays' near future based on uh, what's happened? Certainly should be seeing some postseason baseball. I think the question will be how many teams make the playoffs because 
they expanded playoffs last season. But I think what makes this Blue Jays team really fun for Blue Jays fans is that they're going to be in a lot of very, very high-scoring games. This team is going to be putting up football numbers or or high-scoring uh, hockey games, if you will, because they can certainly match the ball. They're going to hit a lot of balls out of the park, especially if they're playing in Dunedin. I was listening to something yesterday, and they were talking about how that Dunedin ballpark that the Blue Jays might start the season in is basically the smallest park in Major League Baseball. So if they bring in the outfield, you'll see a lot of home runs. The problem for the Blue Jays right now is other than Hyunjin Ryu, they don't really have much pitching, and their defense is going to be woeful next season. So if you like high-scoring games, you're going to see a lot of runs put up on both sides of the scoreboard. Aaron, uh, we've been talking to Aaron Rose, uh, Raptors reporter for Sports Illustrated. Now, Aaron, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's uh, nice to hear a young voice. It's nice to, uh, we can obviously sense your passion for what you do. We will uh, obviously uh, keep an eye on you and read your material and uh, let, let's stay in touch. We thank you so much for this. Thanks for having me on, guys. Aaron Rose, thank you. Uh, it's time for our break. Uh, this week, uh, we lost the Chief. Uh, I say that with, with the greatest of affection. Um, George Armstrong. George Armstrong was the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was a lifetime Leaf and uh, part of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization for most of his life. Uh, when you think of George Armstrong, you think of number 10 with a big C on the sweater. Uh, he was the last Toronto Maple Leaf to win, uh, sorry, to lift the Stanley Cup, uh, the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs. Interestingly enough, he also scored the last goal in that game, uh, George Armstrong. Uh, infamously, that goal that uh, shot in from uh, almost center ice, uh, into an empty Montreal Canadiens net. Leafs won the Stanley Cup. We'll be chatting with his teammate, his friend, and uh, his successor captain, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time, David Keon. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just thirteen ninety nine. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. 
What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf and Washington Capitol, Lou Franceschetti. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, David Keon. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm good, Walter. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm sure it's a lot warmer where you are today than it is where we are. Uh, oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to be where you are, David, and hopefully at some point in the near future I can uh, get myself across the border and back down to South Florida. David, uh, we lost uh, we lost a, um, a gentleman this week, uh, a man that was important to so many Leafs fans, uh, to Leafs Nation, uh, reminded us of all the great glory years that you were a part of, the Toronto Maple Leafs that we grew up in in the 1960s. I would just simply use your words, uh, David, and then I'll ask you to uh, comment. In your words, uh, George Armstrong was a great captain, a great friend, a great teammate, and a great line mate. Um, your thoughts, David? Well, that's you know, that's as far as I'm concerned. That uh, and he was, you know, he was uh, he was just a great person. Uh, he was fun to be around. He was uh, enjoyable company at all times, and uh, you know, he's going to be he's going to be missed. Certainly, is going to be missed. Uh, brings back so many great memories of of. Uh, of a great era in Toronto Maple Leafs history, <laughs> and on uh, on that note, Naz, I'll, I'll ask you to uh, to to join. Hi, David. How are you? I'm good, Naz. How are you doing? Good, real good. What made uh, the chief the greatest captain of all time? Well, for us, he was a great captain. I mean, yeah. I it's it's very hard, I guess, to compare them from different eras. Um, you know, we, he was a captain of a team that had a, a lot of great talent and, uh, uh, it seemed to mesh and, uh, he was, you know, responsible, uh, responsible for that, uh, or partially responsible for that meshing. Uh, you know, he was quiet and, um, made suggestions and, uh, just kind of led, uh, led by example. Uh, Blue? Morning, Davey. Blue, how are you? Uh, uh, yeah, you're just uh, reminiscing about uh, whatever the, everyone's been saying here. With, uh, what made him so, uh, I, I would say, different? Uh, I read an article in the newspaper, I think, yesterday, saying that uh, a, a reporter wanted to do a, a big story on him, and uh, he invited him over to, uh, to his house. And he didn't see 
no leaf pictures. Uh, all he saw were were family pictures, and he just said he wanted to be known as George Armstrong, the neighbor, instead of the hockey player. What has what set him apart? And uh, I know you guys were the oldest team in the league. I think that year that that won the Stanley Cup. What made him bring everybody together, and what did he what did he do to more or less uh, that stood out uh, back then? Oh well, he. I guess you could say, unlike uh, unlike uh, today or this era, these era, uh, back then it was, you know, everybody just, you know, you lived in a neighborhood and you were just part of the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, George was, he lived in Leaside, he was just part of the neighborhood. There was no... Um, how should I say? Uh, you know, you play, you play. He played for the Leafs, and uh, that was, you know, that's what he did for a living. And um, I don't think he brought it home with him. He, he left it at the. He left it at the rink. So when he was home, he was just a father and and husband, and uh, you know, part of the community. And I think that, you know, that's really how. Uh, you know, he carried himself. It's interesting you say that he was just a father and a part of the community. Uh, um, interesting uh, tidbit here. Uh, my 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 youngest daughter, Alana, and his granddaughter played on the same soccer team uh, in the mid nineteen nineties in Thornhill. And I used to see George. Uh, he used to come to all the uh, he used to come to all the games for his granddaughter. Who was interesting was uh, was the best player on the team by by far, uh, natural athlete. And George. Uh, I never wanted to breach his privacy at the game. I obviously knew who he was, and the odd time I would say good, I'd say good evening, Mister Armstrong, and he'd say, you know, he'd say good evening back at me. But he was always there. He always came to watch his granddaughter play soccer. Uh, that will be uh, an incredible memory for me. Uh, David, you came to Toronto, I believe, in 1956 to play at St. Mike's. Uh, George became the captain. I'm, I'm sure when you came to Toronto in '56. The Toronto Maple Leafs were in your future. Uh, George became the captain of the Maple Leafs in 1957. Any recollections of the, I mean, you came up as a rookie in 1960. Uh, uh, any recollections at all of your first uh, first meetings with George? Did he uh, did he encourage you as a rookie? Did, uh, you know, I know he's a pretty quiet guy, but uh, any remembrances the first time you ever uh, ever came across him? Well, I um, I guess I had I had met him. Uh, well, I had probably said hello. Or I, I I remember my last year of junior after we were beaten out. Um, the Leafs were in the um, finals against the Canadians, and um, they the Leafs would always bring up a couple of juniors to be standby. That means you practice with the Leafs, but you never played. And they paid you for being there, so it was a, a way, I guess, of of um, them letting you make some money uh, still as an amateur. And and I I, I met them all uh, at that time. And then the next year I went to training camp, and I don't remember anything special about George during training camp. But when we started. Um, Exhibition games I played with he and uh, he and Duffy and I played together on a line. I remember the second game we were in St. Catharines playing the Blackhawks and 
uh, Reggie Fleming kind of ran me from behind, and George hit him right over the head. <laughs> and <laughs> for George. He said, what did you do that for? He said, you don't run him from behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, George took care of his own. Ned? I understand that Johnny Bauer and George Armstrong were roommates. Yeah, they were. That's true, and the stories must have been great. Well, he drove him nuts. He drove Bauer nuts. He thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember... Um, we had a reunion, and they had us in uh, in uh, uh, convertible Mustangs, and we were on the ice. And yeah. uh, George and John were in the last car, and uh, uh, they introduced John, and uh, no, they introduced George, and John clapped, and then they introduced. Uh, uh, let's see. Introduced John, uh, George and John clapped, and they introduced John, and George didn't clap. And John said, you didn't clap. He said, I didn't like you. I've never liked you. He said, I'm not going to clap for you. And John, and John said, George, you can't say that. He said, it's true. You know. So he used to drive him nuts the whole time that they were roommates and, and, and later on in life. He just, he just had a great time doing that, and John took everything so seriously. Uh, wonderful stories, uh, Lou. Well, listen, I I've met John uh, I've met uh, John and and George more or less uh, a few times up the alumni box, and the thing that always stands out on uh, for me is that both of these guys are so humble, and, and they really they put their careers behind them. They they didn't uh, they didn't want to more or less uh, be entitled because of the the status that. Uh, that they were with being uh, the Stanley Cup uh, champions or even a, a Toronto Maple Leafs, but they just, they were so humble. Uh, they would do anything for you. And then you're also going to remember how great a coach that George was because uh, he was so laid back with the Toronto Marlies in the mid-70s. And yeah, then, I know. They uh, never had a, a practice plan. With the <laughs> I said, George, what are you doing? They, oh, he said, we just scrimmage, just like it's a game. He said, I don't have to do any thinking. <laughs> He was certainly pretty successful. Two Memorial Cups. Uh, yes, he was. Uh, yeah, certainly was. David, you uh, you took over the captaincy of the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1969, uh, but George was still on the team. Uh, yes. He was still there for a couple of years. Um, being captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, is, is, there's sort of something incredibly special about it because of the history of the team. Tell us what it meant to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs when you found out that you were, uh, they wanted you to be captain. Well, it was, uh, it was an honor. Um, I, uh, didn't think that I was going to be the captain. I thought that, uh, it would be somebody who was a little more senior like Timmy or, or Bobby Pulford. Uh, but I was honored and, um, you know, I, I realized uh, well, what it what it meant to the people who were fans of the Leafs across the country, and uh, I, I was uh, I took it very seriously. In in George's time, uh, you had some uh, uh, some interesting characters on the team, some great people. You know, Horton, Mahovlich, Shaq, Bauer, Sachuk, uh, and then there was the guy at the top, Punch Imlach. Who uh, uh, tell us how, how what made George a, uh, a great captain? Did he sort of 
act as interference between the players and and punch or how does he how did he keep all these disparate cast of characters uh working towards a common goal well i guess that he um you know there were times that george intervened uh with things that punch would do would would do or say and George would have would you know probably talk to him. I'm I, I'm not privileged to any anything specific, but I I I know that he did talk to him a few times on occasion about things that were going on, and and then a couple of times Punch had snits, and uh, George really kind of stepped in and uh, um, you know with Timmy and Alan Stanley they kind of uh, pulled everything together. Ness? David, what were George's strengths as a player? Oh, well, he, he in his own end, you know, the puck when the puck came around his own end, he was a, uh, you know, he's brought up a leaf and 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 on the boards, uh, he was really strong. The puck always got out. Uh, he was always in position. Um, and he, uh, you know, he helped me a lot. Um, I knew that if the puck was coming out his end, on his side, he was going to get it to me if I was going through the middle. Um, that was a given. Uh, we've been talking to David Keon. Uh, David, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, before we let you go, I don't know uh, um, how much of the current Leafs you're able to watch uh, from South Florida. I don't know if you're able to watch last night's game. I did uh, watch last night's game. Well, if you did watch last night's game, I'm going to, this is a careful question. Uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, any thoughts on the uniforms or would you prefer a no comment? Oh, I just say no comment. <laughs> Naz, we'll let Naz, I, and Lou, uh, chime in about that. But, uh, your thoughts on the current edition of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I've, I think I've only seen them. I've seen them. Well, I saw them last night and, uh, I think I saw them one other time. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems about the same to me. <laughs> well, well, we'll certainly see how the season plays out. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we'll have to, uh, you know, I, I, this is a small sample size. I think you'll have to wait for 20 games, 20 games or 25 games or so. That, that's almost half the season. But uh, I don't know that... Um, Playing in in the Canadian division, I don't know if you get a um, a full what's the word I'm looking for um, full exposure to uh, exposure. Yeah, because I think uh, I, I think the teams in the U.S. some of the teams in the U.S. are are uh, they they play. A little more, uh, they play a little more physically, and um, um, they skate as well. So I, I, I think it's hard. It's it's hard to compare how they're you know in in, in the Canadian or the Scotia division. Um, they look like they're probably in the top three teams or the top two teams, but I don't know how they'd uh, how they'd fare in the. Uh, uh, playing against the, the what's the uh, Washington division? Yeah, that, I, I think that's a pretty astute observation, David. Uh, it's a small no, sample size. That that division seems the, the games that I've I've seen 
seems to be it's pretty physical that that yeah. division. So, yeah, pretty pretty astute observation. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, certainly, we'll we're, we'll enjoy the hockey whichever way we can get it. Uh, David, we want to thank you so much for this sharing your. All right, uh, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, David Keon. Uh, Naz, Lou, let's pick up the Leafs conversation. Uh, they are now uh, 7-2, and I think one overtime loss. Uh, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you got the opportunity to watch the game last night. Uh, let's get this out of the way before anything else. Uh, when did gray become uh, Toronto Maple Leafs' color? Uh, uh, these were the retro jerseys that the Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers were wearing last night. I don't know, Naz. Uh, wasn't wasn't a big fan of those jerseys. Um, didn't remind me of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It, it almost seemed to be a cross between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, your thoughts, Naz? Reminded me of the black jerseys by the Blue Jays. They had them up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lou, uh, your thoughts? You've, you've worn the blue and white. Uh, how would you have felt wearing the blue and gray? It's just a way of the National Hockey League and Toronto Maple Leafs making money. When they bring out something new, it's it's a novelty. Uh, people are going to go out and buy it. Uh, it's just like the, the other jerseys uh, in the past that the Islanders had, the Sabres have had. They're, they're trying a, a new gimmick. Uh, they're trying to get the a uh, different uh, uh, clientele, if you want to call it, uh, a different demographic uh, of young kids watching the game. Uh, but for us traditionalists, uh, it's a it's a tough pill to swallow to watch that jersey, mind you. Uh, it, McDavid looked pretty good skating around him last night. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as McDavid, I mean the one the one good thing about having all these teams in the in this Canadian division or whatever it's called is I get to I, I get to watch McDavid uh, quite a bit more. Uh, without having to watch them like at ten o'clock at night, and I'm I'm asleep by the end of the first period, so I actually I'm now able to watch them during during so-called prime time. And man, uh, I don't know for all our listeners that watched that game last night. Forget about the overtime goal, <laughs> the other goal where he skated he skated right through the Toronto defense. Uh, I, I guess in the old days uh, we used to have a saying. Uh, I don't know if they use it anymore, Lou. Maybe you're aware, but I think Judge. Jake Muzzin would be looking uh, for something this morning that uh, he, he they used to call it a jock strap in the old days. Uh, I don't know if they still use that term, but uh, McDavid made the uh, made the Leaf defense pair look pretty silly on 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 his on his first goal. But uh, that that's a testament to McDavid's skills, not necessarily to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was a remarkable performance. Uh, by McDavid last night scored the overtime goal. The Leafs, uh, you know, I, I you know I hadn't thought about it until David brought it up. Uh, yeah, this is a pretty small sample size. It's 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 incredibly it's going to be incredibly difficult to evaluate the Leafs based on them just playing Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Ottawa. Uh, you know, you're not playing. You know, I mean, we I guess we feel lucky we're not playing Tampa Bay and Boston. Uh, but uh, we're not really going to know. We're not really going to know what kind of a team the Leafs have until they uh, until the semifinals, because they uh, they they'd have to play through till the final four within the Canadian di- division. Naz, 
Yeah, uh, McDavid, what a goal. Remind me of a fast kill there for in his old days. Yeah, uh, remarkable. Uh, the biggest, biggest acquisition the Leafs have made is uh, Wayne Simmons, and uh, he's going to help the team immensely when it comes down the stretch. He's a physical player. Uh, Lou, I, I want to pick up. Yeah, sorry, Naz. And tough. Yeah, no, I'm, I've been impressed, but I've been impressed by Simmons' performance because he brings something that the Leafs lack. Um, uh, no question about it. Uh, he fits in well. He's got his role, and that's that's the type of player when 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 the games get tough, you need. But Lou, I want to I want to take this up with you. I want to I want to uh, uh, address David's comment um, that how how can we really know uh, where this Leaf team fits in because they're not playing, you know, three quarters of the league. I more or less think every every team's in the same shoe. Uh, no, I guess you uh, you have to adapt uh, to uh, to the style of game in in Canada. Uh, you know, you got teams right now. Montreal's on fire. Uh, Calgary, I don't think is playing up to the standards that uh, that they that they're used to. Uh, Vancouver's struggling a little bit right now. So, uh, what you got to do is you more or less you you figure out. Uh, what you need to to survive uh, in the Northern Division against the Canadian, and then uh, adjust to uh, to the other divisions. Everybody's got to go through it. You're not the only team, uh, or the Leafs aren't the only team that are that are going through this. I know it's going to be, I would think, a little bit easier because there's so many more good hockey teams like Vegas, Dallas, uh, Tampa, Boston, Washington. Uh, all those teams are. You won't yeah, see them at all this year. That's why it's at the at the end of it. It's going to be a special year or a different year, just like last year was. On uh, who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, except that the Leafs are in a division with uh, with all the Canadian teams. And how, how many Canadian teams have gone to the Stanley Cup Finals in the last uh, ten years or so? Six of them made the playoffs last year, Wally. Uh, making the playoffs, going to Stanley Cup. I mean, some no, of the no, teams no, they not. are they are on the upswing. I will grant you that. Um, but I'm you know I'm not convinced that these are the top echelon teams. Time will tell. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see how it. Uh, how does Boston continue? They lose players and they're still still good, and their farm team is not great. But they, when they come up to the big club, they're really good. Why is that? Lou, I have no answer for that. Uh, Naz poses an interesting question, um, which is, which is, uh, how are the how are the Bruins able to do it? And they keep they've uh, well they they keep losing players. I guess they've lost Chara, they've lost Tory Krug. Uh, I don't know who else, but they they basically lost the guts of their defense, haven't they? Other than McAvoy. Well, I think it just goes to the, to the farm system, the development of, of young kids that are coming up and then knowing that they're drafting kids that will play the Boston way. Uh, and, and that's why they they don't uh, they don't overpay for the players to stay in Boston because they know that they have replacements uh, coming in that, that were in the farm system last year where other teams might have to go outside and sign a free agent uh, or two. Uh, to fill the gap, knowing that uh, uh, that you don't have that uh, that uh, reinforcement in the in the uh, minor leagues. Anyways, we're uh, running out of time for this Sunday. Uh, I want to finish this off by uh, you know we've we've given tribute to George Armstrong. Um, 
We, you know, we wish his family the best. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Armstrong family. I want to finish it off with this. Uh, George was a very, very humble, very shy man. He was inducted into Legends Row in 2015, and uh, he uh, he declined uh, he declined to give the speech that day. Uh, but this was what was in his speech, and I, I I just want to relay this to our listeners. This is from the words of George Armstrong that uh, he, ne- he never actually gave this speech. Uh, hockey is a great game, and I love it. I am part of a fading generation that you will never have again. Every one of us is one of a kind that will never be repeated. Uh, respect to the Toronto Maple Leafs, to respect to George Armstrong, respect to Dave Keon, uh, David Keon, who joined us this morning. Naz, last words. Can't say go Bills. I'm going to say. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, to Lou, thank you for joining us. To all our listeners, have a have a great week. Stay safe. Stay safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.